Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Presentation of the Believe Podcast Network. It's time for the Believe in Ole Miss Podcast with your host, Brad Logan, your home for Ole Miss Sports. To be a part of the show, email the show at Brad.logan at Loganmedianetwork.com or shoot him a DM on Twitter at Brad Logan C O T E. Download the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe, rate, and leave a review online. And now, from the vault, to the pavilion, to Swayze Field, it's all Ole Miss, all the time. Here's your host, Brad Logan. And here we go. Thanks, everybody, for jumping on the Believe in Ole Miss podcast today. It's going to be a great one. It uh, opened up the season pretty well for the Ole Miss Rebel football team. They start off 1-0 and after a big 43-24 to win over the Louisville Cardinals in Atlanta in the Chick-fil-A kickoff classic. Uh, really uh, jumped out to a big halftime lead and really never looked back. It was a game to which we saw an Ole Miss defense. Yeah, you heard that right. An Ole Miss defense that played really well. Uh, the versatile quarterback, Malik Cunningham, only finished with 191 yards, one touchdown, one interception, and uh, ran the ball 18 times. They held him for under 100 yards, only 79 yards for Cunningham, a 4.4-yard uh, average, and then he scored a couple of touchdowns. And that was pretty much it for Louisville on the ground uh, and really through the air. And that Ole Miss defense led by D.J. Durkin, uh, a very welcome sight for a lot of Ole Miss fans and very surprising for a lot of the folks in the press box that were looking down. Very grateful that you joined us here on the show today, and uh, the podcast is really growing. Uh, very grateful for the Believe Podcast Network. Be sure and follow them on Twitter. That's at B-L-E-A-V Podcast, and follow the show on Twitter. We now have a Twitter account. That's at B-L-E-A-V in Ole Miss. And, of course, I am Brad Logan. Follow me on Twitter. That's at Brad Logan C-O-T-E. It's been a great ride the last couple of episodes, and we're so excited uh, for everything that's to come here on the Believe Podcast Network and Believe in Ole Miss. Thank you very much for joining, and be sure and subscribe to the show. Uh, rating and reviewing is always appreciated. Wherever you get your podcast, remember you can stream the show from the Believe Podcast website, and you can also download on iTunes, uh, Spotify, Google Play, iHeartRadio, or wherever it is that you get your podcast. Christian Bird joins us today. Christian's covered this Ole Miss football team for a number of years. We kind of get into the nitty-gritty about what Ole Miss did defensively and about what to expect uh, coming down the road. We're very grateful that Christian joined us. Thanks once again for everybody for subscribing and rating and reviewing the podcast. And uh, we're so thankful you're along for the ride. Here's Christian Bird as he joins us here on the Believe in Ole Miss podcast, a part of the Believe Podcast Network. It is a place which exerts an extraordinary pull on all who have walked its hallowed ground. Thousands come each year, and yet no one ever really leaves. Ole Miss is for life. A major university with the familiar intimacy of family. Friendships that are more than friendships. Moments that are more than moments. 
An autumn celebration on a Saturday afternoon in the Grove. Contests waged and triumphs savored. With our largest freshman class, soaring honors college, national reputation for academics and research, our pride is overflowing. Today, more than ever, for all who have ever called this magical place home, you never leave Ole Miss. Welcome back to the Believe in Ole Miss podcast with your host, Brad Logan. Want to be a part of the program? Just email the show at brad.logan at loganmedianetwork.com or shoot him a DM on Twitter at bradloganCOTE. Whether it's touchdown Ole Miss or showers and right, it's all Ole Miss all the time. And now back to the show. And we welcome in Christian Bird, who's followed this Ole Miss football program for a number of years, uh, follows recruiting very closely. In fact, he joins Harry Shawford very often on Justify Your Existence, a pretty good podcast produced by the Northeast Mississippi Daily Journal. Christian, how are you, sir? I'm doing well, buddy. How are you? I'm doing well, and uh, I think a lot of Ole Miss fans that are listening to this show are pretty happy right now, judging by what's transpired over the last couple of days in Atlanta and then of course upcoming with what everybody expects an Austin P win what were some things that stood out to you this past uh, uh Monday night well I think the obvious right I mean let's uh the, the the thing that probably surprised everybody the most was the defense but if you really want to get down on a kind of a, a smaller level um uh, I, I thought the energy and the speed stood out everybody's talking about Campbell at linebacker and I get that but he was able to roam free because of our nose tackle play and I I thought Bivens was exceptional not good exceptional um I thought he was as good from a nose perspective as I've seen for quite some time and he ate blocks and freed up our linebackers to really roam um, because a lot of those offensive linemen for Louisville couldn't get to the second level, thought it was thought it was the difference in us playing fast and being able to fly around the football. So Bivens was definitely one A for me, and then the actual linebacker play was one B for me. Um, and and I think Campbell's ability to disrupt and to tackle when he was there, but then a number of other linebackers put in whoever you want. We tackled well, and we made plays. And, you know, when we did miss a tackle, it was usually because they made a play, and that's just going to happen some. So, overall, um, Bivens 1A, linebackers as a group, including Campbell 1B. Those are the two big things that's a good I mean, what, what did you think? I mean, at the end of the day, when you watched that, what were the things that jumped off the you, right? Easily to me, and I, this was my next question. It'll, it'll lead into that. The play of the game, and I know it was early, but to me the play of the game was the fourth down stop 
inside Louisville territory. Ole Miss would eventually take the ball and uh, score. And I still and, – and I don't know why Kale Nation was called on to kick the point after. I, I don't know if there was some type of suspension for Caden Costa. Maybe there was just a brain fart. I don't know. But Caden Costa would in, would eventually come in and hit three field goals, one 50-plus. But, but to answer your question, I think at the end of the day, the fourth down stop had people almost losing their breath in the stands. It had people in the press box were like, did that really just happen? And so um, that that's something we haven't seen, you know, Christian, probably since 2015, 2016. Yeah. And so I think yeah. that kind of led to DJ Durkin kind of breathing a little bit, uh, leaning on Jacob Springer. We knew Springer was going to be a leader, but I didn't know he'd be big of that big of a leader. DeAndre Prince come in and, and made a big play with the, with the with the interception late in the third quarter. But being able to to have a linebacker like a Chance Campbell, and you called his name a moment ago, it's almost like he was spying Malik Cunningham, especially in the second half, or let me rephrase that, in the second quarter. And he did a great job of limiting Cunningham on the ground. Uh, Cunningham's not a great passer, but I leaned over and told Brett Norsworthy of Ole Miss Network, I said, if Ole Miss is going to win big in this game, there are a couple of things that are going to have to happen, and we'll learn over the next 30 minutes if that happens or not. If they can get up, two touchdowns over Louisville, they're going to force Malik Cunningham to go to the air. They did that, and obviously Ole Miss came on the winning end. I don't think this game was ever in doubt. Uh, Now, Louisville made it close. I think the Ole Miss defense was gassed. There's not a ton of depth. And uh, when you saw a lot of starters from last year on the sideline, I think that says a lot early in the game because those starters weren't playing. Younger players were playing and transfers were playing, and it's a better defense. Lost in translation is the fact that this team, this defense, finally gets a, a full year or an off season, you know, with the current staff and with the, the new administration. All the terminology, all of the things that go, and understanding the ebbs and flows of what they want out of this defense, they finally get a a normal full year to learn those things and to get used to it. And, and on top of that, you know. We act like they went to a three-man front. Now they've got six DBs in the game, and they've got these hybrid linebackers and, and, and all of these new things to kind of play with the speed of college football. But they, they get a whole year to really learn it instead of this weird COVID year that threw things off. We were just happy if they lined up in the right spot. And and what you didn't see, and this was the big thing I was watching, was are they going to get these chunk plays where maybe someone cheats a little bit to one side and then there's a hole and nobody for 20 yards to address the tackler. And that never happened for the most part. Um, I just feel like if, if we look at the full body of work at, at, by this defense, you've got to give credit where credit's due, not only to Durkin, but the players in having some normalcy back to the process of playing college football in the way that maybe they were used to previously, and that's got to help. So uh, overall, I I don't know how you could not be ecstatic as an Ole Miss fan. you got to pump the brakes a little bit because it's not going to get easier. We're not going to run a three-man front against Alabama most of the game. Otherwise, they're going to run right at us. So there's going to be some things that change over time, and there'll be certain formations and certain things we do against certain offenses. But the physicality, the speed – the way Ole Miss played, the way they dictated what Louisville did, 
all of that has to be encouraging because it's been the opposite way around in the past. We, we've been kind of grasping for straws when I felt like we dictated the storyline. And and everyone hold hold your you know horses just for a second. We're seven minutes in the podcast in the interview, and we've yet to talk about offense. We're talking about Ooh. defense. Isn't that something? That's right. Uh, Mark Robinson, a great story, the transfer from SEMO yeah. all over the field. And, of course, we could talk all day about what targeting is and what it's not and just a terrible call by, by him being ejected. But with him and Chance Campbell and that linebacking core, we didn't see a lot of Momo Sunoco. We didn't see a lot of Lakia Henry. And Quentin Bivens, what happened to him? Did someone just make him mad before the game? Because that's not the same Quentin Bivens and uh, Tariqus Tisdale that we've seen. It looked to me like, and I don't mean to be melodramatic or hyperbolic or whatever word you want to use, they just looked more physical to me. They, they really did. And again, so, so, so what would call something like that, right? Like if, if, you, if you look at something that changes drastically, you start asking yourself, what are things that can make that happen? Number one, just a better culture and motivation. That's not a knock on the previous administration or the previous staff. But, but what if the, the current staff and the current culture at Ole Miss is as good as it's ever been? That's one thing that could change it from a motivational standpoint. Another thing that could change it is the fact that their roles are more defined and easier to process for them. So maybe for Bivens, it's don't worry about gap coverage, blow up everything and make them double team. And he's like, sure, I can do that. Uh, where maybe he had a little more gap containment or he had to play the lanes a little easier instead of just getting after the quarterback. Maybe it was that they knew that Cunningham wasn't going to sling it around the yard and they just let it go. I don't know what all it was. I, I truly don't. But there are a couple, it could have been some of those things or all of those things. But clearly we saw a more motivated Bivens and a more motivated Tisdale. There was a six-play span. Brad, where I don't know that I've ever seen uh, – it's been a long time. It's, it's been Greg Hardy since I saw a guy off the edge do what Tisdale did for like five or six points. They held him every play. They only called it twice. He got a sack. I mean, he was just everywhere, and they could not block him. They tried to chip him. They tried to – didn't matter. If we get that from him for 10 plays a game – we're going to get a problem because as good as Tisdale was, we were rotating people and playing people and moving people in and out in a way that felt uh, like everything we hadn't seen leading up into this point. So I don't know what truly motivated Bivens and Tisdale, but I have to believe that it starts and ends with everyone being on the same page about their role and that role being very defined and very um, and I think the reason I feel that way is because, again, the past few years, specifically the last year under Luke, we couldn't even line up in the right spot. Versus now, there's clearly a plan. It's easy to see what we're doing, and we're executing it at a high level. I don't know if this happened or not, but I kind of think it did. At some point uh, – Head coach for Ole Miss Lane Kiffin, who was off-site at some point during fall uh, fall camp, looked at DJ Durkin and said, "Okay, coach, you've had this defense for what a couple of years now. 
you've got your players in here. We've been lapped at all across the country for being the worst defense in the country. I, I think you probably need to take a step this year. In so many words, do you think that conversation happened? Yeah, I think it did. But I also think that Wayne, even though he's made jokes, been somewhat passive-aggressive and a little snarky towards the defensive play, I think he also knew what we had pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, I think there's been a little bit of breathing room there because you can trace a problem and you can see what was happening years before they got there. And so I, I feel like I feel like we had to take a step forward because we we couldn't go back any further. And so we had to take a step forward. And I think that more than likely, if I know personalities on the staff the way I think I do, he didn't have to have that conversation with DJ Durkin. Durkin was aggressive enough to say, here is my plan moving forward based on what happened last year. And, you know, Kevin said in his many words that one of the things he tried to do was to give Durkin some defensive strategies that were difficult for him to stop. Because I think including Kevin, everybody else realizes his playing ability and his playing is elite. And so if he struggled with it, certainly someone not elite struggled with it. And so I think Erkin's ability to listen and to grow and to adapt and to modify uh, made sense because you saw us in three-minute time um, dropping a bunch of athletes that could run in space, and it certainly was uh, productive. You know, I heard a lot of people that said, well, it's Louisville, and they were four and eight-ish last year, five and eight, whatever. They weren't very good, uh, and the Ole Miss took advantage of that. Okay, I understand that. Here's one thing I can't uh, really step away from. An ACC analyst told me that Louisville had the most experienced and quite possibly the best offensive line returning in the entire conference. So if that's the case, Ole Miss did what it wanted to with a three-man front for the first two quarters. I mean, that, that, that's just what happened. So Ole Miss fans can take solace and, and can really be excited about a defensive front that had their way with one of the best offensive fronts in the ACC. Does it matter if it was Louisville or SEMO? It didn't matter who we played, they moved the ball in the defense. Yeah. So so I think loss in translation are people see the excitement for Ole Miss and their first assumption is you think you guys have one of the best defenses in the country. No one's saying that. I think Ole Miss fans are saying, No, no, no you're reading this wrong. We looked really good and we didn't look really good and haven't looked really good in like three years. So so lost in that are people saying, oh, well, you played Louisville. We don't care. Nobody cares. It doesn't matter if you play a glorified scrimmage or you play the scout team. A productive defensive effort is reason to celebrate as an oldest hand. Not any more complicated than that. It, it's not. Now, what you said is spot on. They have a playmaker on that quarterback who's not a passer, he is going to get yards. Everything runs through him. And then you had a very experienced offensive line. That's the R. And, and, and I, you know, I felt like at the end of the day, uh, our defensive line so, – so that's the other thing. Like, can we address some of the new positioning coaches? I mean, this defensive line, I, I want to give a lot of credit. 
other elements that we didn't add is we got a new defensive line coach who you can't not give credit for some of this transformation. Right? I mean, you have to look at what happened and think something's generated defensive line to play better. New defensive line coach, another year. They took that offensive line to the woodshed consistently over and over and over again. And I just think that's the reason that these guys decided, regardless of if it's an ACC opponent or not. Um, you, you can't pick and choose when you're excited with defense as an Ole Miss fan. If it's successful, no matter who it is, it is a win considering what we've been through. Looking at the offense real quick, Matt Corral, 381 yards, counted for two touchdowns, one through the air. Um, I think the the total number was 569 total yards of offense. A lot of that was on the ground, and a lot of it was behind Snoop Connor, who laughably is still listed as the fourth team running back on the, the latest depth chart. I'm guessing they copy and pasted it because I would put him in number one. I'd put uh, Ely rolling him in and out. But, you know, honestly, if you – if you put Connor in in the second half, he's fresh. Uh, you get him against a, a pretty beat-down defense, and I think that's why a lot of the reasons he did so well. At the end of the day, I think there's a lot of improvement for this Ole Miss offense. They were 7 of 8 from the red zone. They were going to be 8 of 8, and they took a knee uh, in the end zone to end the game. So the red zone woes of Phil Longo are no longer here. Uh, I do think there's some improvement because they kind of bogged down a little bit. You know, now that you've got a field goal kicker, you can actually do some things in the red zone. Uh, but overall, what are your thoughts on the offense? Yeah, so a couple of things out to me. The first is, you mentioned it, the way Snoop ran the ball was unbelievable. And I, I want to attribute that to a couple of things. I mean, last year, we ran a lot on the perimeter, ran a lot of stretch plays. And that's where I really think Ely and Parrish are at their best. What I thought was when he linebacker for well, just one of Louisville's best players, I think his last name is Montgomery, I'm not sure, but with the linebacker got thrown out for targeting, it could have been two guys that got thrown out, but it was one, and that had to be their best player on the corral hit. When he went out, if you back and look, they pan to Levy in the press box, and he's giddy. He knows. Tacking us on printer with speed, now we're going right up the middle. And it was like somebody flipped the switch. Snoop comes in, and we start running through the guard cap, through the center, and just going after that reserve over and over again. And they could not stop us running between the tackles. It was hard to watch in a good way. And just tell them that one of the things that Lovey's known for is some people say, and I haven't confirmed this, but I've talked to a lot of people, that he's the guy who knows every single personnel defensively for any of the teams that, that Ole Miss is playing. And if someone goes down, like the South Carolina injury last year, where they went right to Elijah Moore with the big play, South Carolina safety comes out, bringing us up, he immediately knew who he was and what his weeks was that went right yeah. after him. He's known for that. He's seen every play, every guy on an opposing defense has made. Their first, second thing, or third string, and he had notes about it. So he immediately attacked that linebacker deficiency for Louisville went out. We were able to run between, you know, good guard and the center productively with Snoop. And once you get Snoop going, pack a punch, and they stay with my hand. I thought that was exceptional. The second thing is, as good as Driven was, the reality of it is, the best looking wide receiver from explosive standpoint was Ringo. Driven got open, he got the best hands on the team, he was exceptional. 
I literally, I got giddy when Mingo caught the ball. His explosion, his first twenty yards, was absurd. He's going to have a two hundred yard game. I don't know when it giddy against all speed. It may be Alabama. I don't know, but I haven't seen that Mingo yet since high school, and I am really excited about it because he is healthy. That ankle sprain is gone. He exploded multiple times on just spot passes that look very A.J. Brownish. It's really exciting. I think he's going to be really, really good. So, Drummond was great. I expected that from him. He goes show flashes of, oh, my goodness, it's that second year we've been betting on. Um, and, and I just felt like the offense, you could pick your poison in terms of what you want to do. Um, I know Corral's going to run. I really need him to get down uh, because it's one play away from – catastrophe. I just don't think we're going to get that because I think, very much like Kirk Street said, that's who he is. He's a competitor. He's top eight. He's going to run for seven. So, at the end of the day, uh, to answer your question, I'm kind of I'm through the tackle from an offensive standpoint where the ability to run and our coaching to recognize where there was a deficiency after someone was ejected. Um, and Mingo's explosiveness, even though he didn't have the most yards, uh, and, and, and you know, our ability to find all, all these different people and pieces to get involved. Good luck trying to single somebody out and, and, and expecting for us to keep going to the same place over and over. We're just not going to do it. This feels like a perfect storm in so many ways for this Ole Miss football team. With the way things came together against Louisville in the uh, the big win, 43-24, to over uh, – we'll see how good Louisville is. I'm not quite sure how they'll fare in the ACC. But at the end of the day, like you said, it really doesn't matter. Because the way the schedule lays out, Romans travels to Tennessee, they've got Auburn, they've got LSU, and all of those teams that we've named, and including Mississippi State, Arkansas, nobody has really taken a huge step up other than Alabama on the schedule. Now, Hayes King may be the next coming of Johnny Manziel at Texas A&M. They're going to be good. But if you look going forward, I don't know that Ole Miss will be an underdog in all but two games. Maybe A&M and Oxford, that's maybe a pick em, honestly, by the time he gets here. And then there'll be an underdog at Alabama. Other than that, I don't know. So it could set up perfectly for Ole Miss to have a really big year. No, it could. And and, and I think I think the bigger thing is a couple things have to happen. You got to avoid the injury bug, but everybody can say that, right? Like, is there a yeah. team that can really say we can afford a major injury? Bug? Yeah. But what Ole Miss has going for them, regardless of whether you look at the defense or the offense, Matt Corral changes everything. He's the best. Best quarterback in the country. I'll just say I don't think there's anybody better. You want to make an argument that somebody's as good, be my guess. But during the offense and the weapons and the plus calling, I think he's the best there is. And so he is going to put so much pressure on teams to be one dimensional. If that offense continues to roll and he continues to make good decisions, it is going to be a problem for teams because for the first time in a long time, it does, if you just try to run, I think this defense good enough to stop you as long as you're not Alabama or Georgia or, or someone that has superior talent. Um, and I think that if you're one-dimensional from a passing standpoint, there's a problem there too. So I think Olvis is going to be in all of these games. Um, sure, one could get away from them, but they're going to be competitive in them and they're going to put a ton of pressure on the other team because whether – listen, it's a free shot for Ole Miss. Really, there's no pressure – on Ole Miss's side moving forward. There, there's not. There will be a mistake, and there won't be any of the others. 
Because right. no matter what you say, people still look at him as a loss. Scott McCarroll, that's great. Still, Ole Miss shouldn't be Auburn. Even if they should. Ole Miss shouldn't be A&M. Even if they should, I'm, not, I'm with you. I think a and is much better from a talent standpoint. Their roster is loaded. I don't think they're as good as quarterback. I think they're probably as good, if not better, at every other position. But I think at the end of the day, like, man, Ole has a chance to do something special. It's a perfect storm because we got the best quarterback in the country. And that puts pressure on defenses and offenses to stop them and then to try to play catch up. And that's just not a good recipe if you're the opposing team. Christian Bird, be sure to follow him on Twitter. That's at Christian underscore Bird, B-Y-R-D. Hopefully he'll be a regular contributor here on the Believe in Ole Miss podcast. A lot of great stuff today. Um, Ole Miss plays pre- uh, Prairie View. Who, what's it, Austin P. <laughs> one of the double A, yeah, one of the double A teams. You know, I think they'll have an opportunity to get some younger guys in the game. And, and there are a lot of people like a J.J. Henry. Uh, maybe they get a chance uh, to see some new running backs. But I know that's kind of one thing they're trying to get is to get some younger players some action and maybe get some experience for an offensive line that's not incredibly deep. Yeah, I think so. Um, listen, I mean, what's the goal here, right? Let's not – let's look healthy. Let's look good and let's play base on defense. Let's not show all our cards. Um, all of those things that come in games. And I think they'll have an opportunity to do that. I want to see Bullock on the backfield, but, but if you talk people inside that building, Bullock is an SEC caliber running back that just happens to be behind three guys that could probably score for 80% of the teams in the NC. So I want to see Bullock on. I think we will. There's a laundry list of guys that we're going to get to watch. I love teams play at linebacker the other night. I hope we get to see more of him too. Um, I just think there's going to be a chance for us to look at some of this talent that we've been waiting on develop, to develop and, and, and to see some success there. So um, it'll be a fun game for that reason. Probably won't be fun if you're anybody else in the country just looking for the channel. But I think for Ole Miss fans, uh, we get to finally see maybe things come to fruition. And I think that'll be a good thing. He's Christian Bird. Thanks very much for joining us today. We'll talk to you down the road and look forward to, uh, to seeing what happens with this Ole Miss football team. You've been listening to the Believe in Ole Miss podcast with your host, Brad Logan. Download the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe, rate, and leave a review online. Be sure and check us out on Twitter at BradLoganCOTE and at Believe Podcasts, as well as Facebook, Brad Logan Media. From the vault to the pavilion to Swayze Field, it's all Ole Miss all the time. This has been the Believe in Ole Miss podcast, a presentation of the Believe Podcast Network.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.